you know, I used to be a comedy libtard shitbag like you until that episode with that fucking Friday song. My brain won't stop playing it. Now, I never listen to a bike out it with Dollamore. Trump 2020, dickhead. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Everybody, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. Episode 544 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, and today, like every other day, I'm joined by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, and the taste bud terrific Brittany Page. I got nothing. Ta- I got nothing. Taste bud terrific? Taste bud tastic? Wow. I don't know how this is going to go. Pa- I think maybe we should just turn off the mics, <laughs> call it a night. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you're, you're palatable, palatable. Okay, it's how getting worse. Worse. The things are getting worse. The things. Um, I, I, no, as irritated as you are of me right now. Yeah. You get irritated at people. Uh huh. Incompetence. There are mo- many layers of incompetence for you. Hmm. Yeah. And I have in mind a, a story you told me the other day mm-hmm. about someone who didn't know the... Well, you tell the story. Yes. The this, soda story. Yes. This person was talking about soda and how they can't really tell the difference between... Are you ready? <laughs> Pepsi or Coke. Yeah. <laughs> that it's basically the same. Well, what, what, how the conversation started was you were talking about how... McDonald's has the best Coke. And it does. It has the best Coke. And they laughed at this. They thought that that was ridiculous because, well, all Coke is the same, right? Wrong. Totally wrong. Okay. I hate those machines where you like select your combination, like the big Coke machines with the touch screen. So it's one drink hole for every drink. That's really not the problem. What the problem is if they have the syrup turned up 100%. (laughs) And there's no even soda that comes out of there. Yeah. It's just the syrup. Yeah. It's disgusting. So it's, it's the wrong ratio. Wrong ratio. Bad ratio, as they say. Absolutely. That is what they say. And McDonald's has the perfect ratio. Oh. That's what they say. We love a good ratio. We do. <laughs> love me a good ratio. Wow. We are so hateable right now. Yeah, um, we are. But anyway, I can't trust people like okay, this. Okay, bro, don't come at me. I can't. Where did that come from? New. New. Oh, my God. So anyway, the boss. No, no. Okay, bro, don't come at me. Yeah, it's new. So anyway, I can't trust people like this. If you don't know the difference between (laughs) Pepsi or Coke. Hang on. Your mouth doesn't work. Uh, You You don't understand how the world works. (laughs) I can't take advice from you. At least your mouth doesn't understand how the world works. Something has gone terribly wrong. That's what I'm saying. There's certainly a difference between Pepsi and Coke. There is. There's a difference, not even between brands. There's a difference between 
And the, if I drink soda, I drink Diet Pepsi. Mm-hmm. And not because, oh, I'm on a diet, but because I've just drank it since high school. It's gross. Because that's what my mom drank, and that was what, you know, was free. And <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I came to like it. Yeah, yeah. So, there's a difference between Diet Pepsi out of a like a bottle with mm-hmm. a screw cap bottle and a can. Yes. Can Pepsi way better oh, than really? a bottle. Oh, really? Okay. I, I think so. Huh. All right. So there's even a difference there. Yeah. Yeah. The same kind of soda, but the different conveyance. Is it because of the race? I, I don't think it's a race thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying uh, to keep it going. Yeah, I have no idea, but it's for sure fucking different. Yeah, yeah. So the point but you, is... But you, but you really, it's almost like a character judgment against a person. I can't trust you. I don't know what else you're not capable of seeing when there's a very clear difference between something. I don't know what else you struggle to distinguish between here. You know yeah, what I mean? I, yeah. It's just, it's a struggle for me. It's I understand it might not be very fair, but uh, yeah, I have trust issues when I learn this about people. Okay. And for those of you that are, oh, you shouldn't be drinking any Coke. Yeah, we know. Okay. But it's a delicious treat on occasion. All right. So you, don't judge. You don't drink very much soda at all. Yeah, I really don't. Um, another thing, I feel uncomfortable. We never have soda in the house. We don't. There's not a can of fucking soda in the house right now. Well, I do have these, the um, Pellegrino. The Pellegrino. That's like hippie soda. I mean, that's like like ugh, like you know fucking silver spoon pinky in the air. Okay, well I didn't know that about it, but I love it. Is um, it? I don't know. I'm just that's my impression of. Here's it. what I like about it. I'm white trash, Brittany Page. That seems fancy to me. Yeah, well I'm really fancy, and uh, <laughs> no, here's what I like about it the most. Is Hashtag it, raised by fancy wolves. It comes with a sanitary cap. That doesn't sound yeah. good. It's it, making it, it worse. Sound you're, good. you're digging a hole. <laughs> it comes with a little foil cap on top of the can, so you don't run into any kind of like sewage issues around yeah. the, the like mouth that can. One, one time we were at a Vietnamese restaurant, like mm-hmm. Westminster here, mm-hmm. and Brittany ordered a Coke, and uh-huh. they don't have a soda machine. They just bring you a can. Yeah. And it seriously looked like they had like... Somebody with diarrhea just take a dump on the top of the can. And I don't send things back, but I sent back that can of Coke. No, you sent me to send it back. Yeah, don't you, fucking get it twisted Well, here. anyway, it got sent back. It doesn't matter how it got sent back. And um, The guy, he went, he looked like a, a ghost. Yeah. Like just mortified that well, he had given that can over. Good. Because what happened is like the case of Coke had burst mm-hmm. and then... The all the soda it poured down onto that one can. Yeah, it was probably fine, but it didn't look good. Is the point? It did not. And so with the with the Pellegrino, I don't have that issue because it comes with a sanitary cap, which is very nice. Yes. So I want to give a shout out. Okay, bro, don't come at me. Mm-hmm. I love when the listeners come at me, bro, with a good <laughs> clip. Yeah. Especially when it's you. Yeah. Because I like me. You know, I've got a. I got a little. You're a fucking doctor, bro. I'm getting okay, a we don't have to continue. Here. I'm getting a little collection oh here. Oh my god, I'm not prepared. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is he? Mm. Is he fucking listening to himself so right now? So because of this, yeah, I want to give a shout out mm. to Paul uh-huh. of Paul and Ashley fame. Yes. Who, by the way, right now mm-hmm. are trapped at work because of the fucking flooding in Houston. Tell 
me again how climate change isn't a thing when Houston just gets deluge after deluge, terrible weather all over the fucking globe. Well, even though I am horrified by Paul's uh, betrayal, I am very sad to hear that Paul and Ashley are stuck at work and uh, we do wish them the best. Long time, very generous supporters of the show. And um, there's a special place in our heart for for both of you. Oh, I thought so, you were going to say in hell. No. There's a special place in hell for those fucking people. No. It's not where I was going with that. <laughs> um, but we love you guys, and uh, we, we hope everything's good. As long as you are safe and you are dry, then that is good. Safe and dry. Mm-hmm. Those are important elements. Absolutely. Safety first. Yes. Dryness second. Exactly. And everybody in Houston, if you're in Houston right now, it's, I have a, several friends on my friends list, on my, my friends list on Facebook, and some people that I went to high school with, and they were saying that where they live, totally fine. So it just a, depends on where you are in the city. So. What, was it Houston or was it Dallas that was the Bon Appetit city of the year? Dallas. Oh, okay. All right. You're going to change it to food. No, I was just, I thought it was Houston, hmm. and it was some other city in Texas, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but Te- it was the best. Texans won't like to hear It that. was the best uh, food city in uh, Bon Appetit magazine this year. Yeah. So, yeah. Very Dallas, nice. not Houston. <laughs> wow. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. We hope that you are, are uh, able to get home sometime mm-hmm. soon. Yeah. Um, we'll read an email. I would love to continue to to get past this hurdle of a train wreck that we're doing here. I don't think there's a train wreck. For happening. new listeners, usually it's better than this. <laughs> Why are you doing that? It's perfectly fine. I'm just being a dick. Okay. Calm down. So this is from Ingrid. Um you guys were giving Pete Buttigieg raving reviews and even suggested that he would be a good VP for Warren. Not sure if you know his record as mayor in South Bend, Indiana. There is new info on the scandal with the police department where he demoted the first black police chief for questionable reasons. The Young Turks investigates just released new details on the firing that doesn't look good for Buttigieg. And then um, Ingrid gave a link. And when I got this email... I thought this is this is interesting because, yes, um, I believe, by the way, we're being grouped together on this again. And I think I was the one who um, selected Pete, Pete, Pete Buttigieg as one of my favorites of yeah. the debate night. I don't think you did. Um, so let this fall on me. I thought he did. OK, but y- you were more bullish yeah, although, no, I think what I'm more excited about and what I focused on was how good I think he would be versus Mike Pence in a vice presidential debate. Oh, yeah, debate. yeah we, did, we, we talked about that for, for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and that was really my main focus um, because of how well-spoken and articulate and, and good on his feet he is. Um, but And his skill at distillation of larger ideas into a, right. uh, a package, a palatable... Easy to consume package. Right. But Pete Buttigieg is not perfect. For sure not. And in fact... Not even the perfect candidate policy-wise. We spent a decent amount of time on the second debate episode, Ingrid, if you want to go back to that one, because he was asked about his record directly, right, um, on this specific issue, and he seemed to take ownership of it. 
Yeah, I think he said, look, um, I could have done better. I didn't. What I did wasn't great. Right. And I, I took my, I'm taking my lumps for it. And I, I'm going to learn from this experience. Something like that. Probably more articulate and, you know, well-rounded answer. Right. And what if what Ingrid is saying is true, that additional details are now coming out, well, then I would hope Pete Buttigieg will be asked about those additional details and be forced to give an answer for those as well. Well, let me let me check your language there. Be forced to give an answer. He doesn't seem to me to be the guy who is, needs to be corralled or cajoled. He seems to be pretty ready to to head to, to face a problem head on. Mm-hmm. And and you know I think he'd be the first to admit. And he's not my candidate. I think we, we made that abundantly clear. But he's he's not one to 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 not apologize like a Joe Biden to act like there's no problem. Why should I apologize? They need to apologize to me. He doesn't do that kind of stuff. He he faces the issue. Right, which is a positive. But, of course, um, Ingrid, he is not a perfect candidate, uh, not a perfect person, and not at the top of either of our lists at all. Um, but, again, I'm still pretty convinced that he would be a good VP candidate. Yeah, um, also, let me say this. If you're, if you're taking all of your information from the Young Turks as gospel... I think that's a problem because they're burning your bust crowd. That's what they are. They're not looking. They're looking at any way they can to tor- torpedo someone like Kamala Harris in any way they can to torpedo somebody like Joe Biden. And while I have my criticisms for for him and for her and for Klobuchar, any one of these people, like I've said a million times, and this will be the million and first, would be better than Donald Trump. And I don't I, look. I, I think Jenk does a good job. I think Anna does a good job, but they are certainly not um, straight actors relative to who they're supporting. They will ignore all kinds of shit that Bernie has done wrong in the past in order to advance his candidacy. Well, it's funny that you brought up those those names that you did because those Democratic names are favored by the party. That's right. Yeah. And and so obviously those would be the names that they would go after the most. Um, the party favorites. Right. Um, but yeah, I just I wanted to read that email because this is one of the most difficult aspects of doing the show, which is we will have a short conversation about something that we have talked about many, many times. And in that conversation, we don't say, hold on, let me spend 10 minutes before we address this, giving you all of the like previous context to my thoughts on this. Yeah, yeah. You know, Um, because the show really is like an evolving, ongoing conversation. And so the third debate episode plays off of the second debate episode, the first debate episode, yeah, you yeah. know, and everything um, prior to that, right, where we are kind of building our perspectives on these various candidates. And because we say one positive thing on one episode doesn't mean that we haven't, you know, talked about previous criticism on previous episodes. Absolutely. So I know that that seems kind of, I don't know, all over the place, but um, hopefully it makes some sense. Well, listen, it, it is when I say that Elizabeth Warren is my candidate right now, that could change. That could very well change based on her behavior, her policy takes, and uh, how the race is going. It's I'm not a ride or die Elizabeth Warren person right now at all. 
So I just, and I would impress upon everybody else to try to do that as well. Not that, look at me, but because, look, you need to change when the facts change, when the circumstances change. And Ingrid, as far as this beat Buttigieg thing with, with this police chief, if he made a mistake, look, everybody is flawed. Every leader is flawed. Every leader related to policy and policy decisions is flawed. If he did what he did, if you're asserting, and I don't know that, and I, I wouldn't even say you are, but if you, he did what he did because he's a racist, that's completely different than just fucking up and, and making a mistake. I w- would hope that you're not asserting that what he did was based on racism, because that, for me, would be disqualifying. But firing a guy who happens to be black isn't always a bad thing. Just like firing somebody who's a Mexican or white or gay or whatever. Look, there's assholes and there are people who who do a bad job and a bad enough job, a poor enough job to be fired amongst every race, among every sexual orientation, every gender. Just because the guy's black doesn't mean he's immune from being fired. And I don't know all the details of the case. But I don't think it's an indictment that just because he fired the guy who's the first poli- b- black police, police chief, as I stumble through my words, I don't think that's a, a disqualification for, for Mayor Pete in the presidential race. But I tell you what I'll do. I, I'll, uh, I'll look into that. I'll, I'll read the, the, the link. She provided a link, right? Mm-hmm. I'll read the link that you provided. I'll, I'll, I'll see if they've done a video on it and check it out and look into the story and, and see what we think. Um, we appreciate the email. In any event, we always appreciate even dissent on the show. It's absolutely vital to doing what we talk about doing all the time, which is moving the conversation forward. So one interesting development in the aftermath of the debate is um, Amy Klobuchar is polling at 8% in an Iowa poll. Yeah, that's that's got to be a, a, a an increase. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, that's not been like replicated in other polls, and it certainly is not the case nationally. Um, <laughs> but it is interesting that well, she has jumped up so much in Iowa. It's also important because those, you know, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, those are the first kind of the first three polls, uh, uh, caucuses or, or primaries in the country. And they, if you do well there, it kind of sets the bar for everywhere else where, oh, she did well in Iowa, I better readdress and look at her candidacy more. And then typically you get a rise, the better that you do going out of those early early states. Yeah, well, Nate Silver at 538 recently wrote an article um, saying there's a better case for a top two than a top three, um, meaning that based on the polling, that it looks like it is pretty much Biden and Warren and Sanders is starting to fall down to a, a distant third. Mm-hmm. Um, now he says that cautiously, of course, because it's still very early. Yeah, Anything can happen. And he also cautions against looking at individual polls as though that's an indication of anything. Um, and he, he does highlight though, um, Amy Klobuchar's rise and Beto O'Rourke um, doing better in polls as well. So I think, we look at the people who are polling very low thinking, why don't you just drop out? What are you doing in the race? Right? Yeah, but I say that about Joe Biden, too. And that is certainly true for a lot of people who are polling in the in the single digits. But 
Um, in this article, Nate Silver also cautions, let's wait for the next debate, see how things yeah. go. You know, Elizabeth uh, t- Warren... October 15th, I think. Elizabeth Warren has consistently um, been rising after each debate. Um, so we'll see what happens. He also says, mm, not looking good for Kamala Harris. Yeah. Which, you know, again, I think that's a good thing, too. Yeah. But, but let me say this. Also along with that. But she slow jammed the news with Jimmy Fallon. She did a terrible job. (laughs) But along with that, with these other candidates who are rising, Joe Biden also got a bump after the last debate, in which I thought he did terrible. So there's no rhyme or reason to this. Also, national polls don't matter fucking at all. At all do national polls matter. This is also, though, what you said about Joe Biden. Um with people feeling that he did well. This is what we always talk about on the show where people look to Republicans and say, the democratic party is the party of science is the party of logic is the party of reason. Right. But there are many people who decided Joe Biden's my guy and they watch that debate and they think Joe Biden's my guy. He did great. Right. Right. And they're not actually judging his performance based on his performance they're just judging his performance based on the fact that they're going to vote for him yeah and it doesn't really matter what anybody else says i wish that that weren't the case and it really terrifies me because i wish that we were able to watch these debates and have an honest conversation about the way that people are performing you know yeah and that's why by the way we always say like tell us your thoughts who did you think won the debate Right. Yeah, even if you disagree with us, and I want to know. Yeah. And why? Like, we want to hear the reasons because we want to know what other people are out there thinking. You know, we appreciate the email um, saying, hey, guys, praising B- Pete Buttigieg, maybe slow it down a little bit. That's great. But I would have loved to hear from Ingrid. Well, who was your favorite and why? Yeah. yeah. You know, who do you think should have won the debate? Who do you think was the loser of the, ba- the debate? Like, I want to hear from the people um what it is that they think about all this well it's also one of the reasons why we we don't do the debate episode on the night of the debate because we don't want to just sound off and tell you what we think we want to give you a couple days mm-hmm. for you to let kind of digest it and then call in and let us know also i think people are kind of in the in the mode from two years ago where we were doing debates right away and they didn't have time to call in so they they, they haven't been doing that but we would encourage you guys absolutely to call in and participate prior to the episode coming out yeah. so you can sound off and use our platform to further your ideas as well. All right. We would love to hear from you, like Ingrid. I doubt it at dollamore.com. You can also call 657-464-7609 or email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We would like to thank our beautiful new Patreon supporter, Paula. Paula! Thank you so much, Paula, for your generous support. We love and appreciate all of our Patreon supporters who help keep this thing going, help keep the YouTube videos going, all of it. Um, If you cannot support us on Patreon or you cannot support us by shopping on Amazon at the dollamore.com slash Amazon link, 
then feel free to write us a profanity-free review on yeah. iTunes. Yeah. You know, we've, we've got fewer than 400 reviews on iTunes. That's crazy. <laughs> that is fucking bananas. Um, how little, how few reviews we have. Yeah. Also, feel free to give us a like on the Facebook page, I Doubt It with Dollamore Podcast, and follow us on the Instagram and the Twitter at Dollamore at Brittany E. Page. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So there's two things we're going to talk about. One is Corey Lewandowski having testified before the House Judiciary Committee the other day. And then the other is this Office of uh, the Director of National Intelligence and their Inspector General... And this this whistleblower case that's that's really starting to pick up steam, and it's starting to a lot more details are trickling out. But let's start with Lewandowski. Two yeah. things are takeaways from his testimony. One is the fact that he did confirm that Donald Trump indeed tried to rail uh, uh, wrangle him in and enlist him in his attempt to obstruct justice and end the investigation through a trying to send a message to Jeff Sessions. The other thing that happened is he he had an exchange. Well, first of all, the Democrats fucked this whole thing up. It was a shit show. It was an absolute train wreck on both sides. Both sides. (laughs) Bad people on both sides. Every time I say that, I kind of like throw up in my mouth. He fucking ruined it for for the world. It's terrible. So here's what happened is they go through their normal committee thing where each side asks questions. Each each particular congressman gets to ask, uh, you know, for a series of, of minutes questions. And then at the end, at the very end of the day... They have this this staff lawyer who's a white-collar criminal uh, defense attorney, so he's an expert in this kind of a thing. They let him have a crack at Lewandowski. And he does a bang-up job. If they had started with that, the headlines would have been completely different. You would have heard from the very beginning that Corey Lewandowski had admitted that the president tried to enlist him to obstruct obstruct justice. But you didn't, because it was the circus atmosphere that was covered. It was this kind of a thing that was covered. Did you ever misrepresent what you did on behalf of the president? I can't think of an instance where that would have occurred. Let me show you an interview that you did uh, on May 14th, 2019. Excuse me. A, uh, I'm going to show it to you from February 22nd, 2019. Let me show it to you. Excuse me. Excuse me. May 14th, 2019. Thank you. I don't ever remember the president ever asking me to get involved with Jeff Sessions or the Department of Justice in any way, shape, or form ever. Did you hear that, sir? That was you saying on MSNBC... You don't ever remember the president ever asking you to get involved with Jeff Sessions or the Department of Justice in any way, shape, or form. That wasn't true, was it, sir? I heard that. And that was not true, was it? 
I have no obligation to be honest with the media just because they're just as dishonest as anybody else. So, you, so you're admitting, sir, you were not being truthful in that clip, correct? My interview with Ari Melberg? Yes. Can be interpreted any way you'd like. Let me, would you like me to play it again? You're welcome to, please. Play one more time. I don't ever remember the president ever asking me to get involved with Jeff Sessions or the Department of Justice in any way, okay, shape, or form so, ever. So you, and, sir, it is true in May 2019. You absolutely remembered when the president asked you to deliver a message to the attorney general of a speech for him to give related to the special counsel investigation. Isn't that correct? I'd have to think about it. Are you claiming, sir, that and you had been interviewed by the special counsel about those very events in which you discussed and you said was accurately reported in the report a year earlier. Are you saying, sir, you may have forgotten it by the time you were interviewed just before the report was publicly released? I'm saying my memory was clearly much fresher when I actually gave the interview with the special counsel's report. Sir, is it your testimony before this committee that when you said you did not remember the president ever asking you to get involved with Jeff Sessions or the Department of Justice, you were saying you were being truthful? And, sir, I don't believe there's any reason to consult with your counsel. The question is, are you a truth teller in that interview? I'm a truth teller every time I stand before Congress or a committee of jurisdiction and raise my hand and swear to God under oath. My question, sir, is when you said the president never asked you to get involved with Mr. Sessions. I have no obligation to have a candid conversation with the media whatsoever, just like they have no obligation to cover me honestly. And they do it inaccurately all the time. So you're admitting that on national television you were lying there? What I'm saying is... They have been inaccurate on many occasions, and perhaps I was inaccurate at that time. Jesus. Establishing that he isn't credible. Establishing he isn't to be trusted. So it came as somewhat of a surprise to me, although a diminishing surprise that uh, CNN invited him to come on their fucking airways <laughs> only hours later for their mor- morning show where Allison Camerata... Who is great, by the way. She is great. But and I'm sure it wasn't a host decision. Mm-hmm. It was more of a corporate or a producer type decision. Mm-hmm. But yet you can only give so much leeway and make so many excuses... Because after he says this... I have no obligation to be honest with the media just because they're just as dishonest as anybody else. CNN's tripping fucking all over themselves to get him on their air to answer questions. And they have an obligation to broadcast truth to the American people. Wouldn't you say? Yes. So what was the move here? Because this is how it went down. And look... Largely, I think Allison Camerata fucking uh, embarrassed the fuck out of Corey Lewandowski. Made him look like a goddamn moron or made him look like the goddamn moron that he is. Yes, highlighted. That's right. Yes. She highlighted the moronic nature Mm. of Mr. Corey Lewandowski. There were a couple of moments that have gotten a lot of attention. So let's just go through them and maybe you can further expound on them. One of them captured the moment um, about obstruction, frankly. This is the moment where you were describing how, or they were asking you, I should say, about how the president asked you to deliver a message to Attorney General Jeff Sessions where he would unrecuse himself and limit the scope of the Mueller investigation. So let's just listen to this for a moment. 
That's what he wanted you to deliver to Attorney General Jeff Sessions, correct? I believe that's an accurate representation. And he wanted you to deliver it to Jeff so that Jeff could say it to the people, right? I believe so. So you confirmed that you were asked to obstruct justice. No, Allison, please. That's not what I confirmed at all. By the way, the Mueller report was very clear. Uh, there was no collusion. There was no obstruction. That's and not what, what I, the Mueller what report said, Corey. It absolutely says that. And Corey. You, you, should, you should read page, you should read the page that that states that on. And, and Bob Mueller. Wait a second, had the Corey. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Time out. Time out. Did you read the Mueller report? No, I never did. Then how do you know what it says? Because the members of Congress were very clear about what was in that report yesterday. And so I'm reiterating Corey, no, what they no, Corey, sorry. Did then you read wrong. the report? Let, Corey, of Allison, course I had to read the report. You read the entire report? Corey, of course I had to read Listen how shocked he is that she read the report. Isn't that remarkable? Wait, wait, wait. Did you read the report? You read the whole report. I've read the whole fucking report. It's only a dimwit who didn't read the report, who testified to having not read the report, that would be shocked by that. I have no obligation to be honest with the media because there's just as dishonest as anybody else. Read the entire report. And okay. let me tell you what it said. Tell me. There were 10 different examples of obstruction of justice in That's there. That's not what it said. It's, it, did, it did not say there were 10, example of, 10 examples of obstruction. Allison, you're being disingenuous. Corey, here it they said, are. Let me pull them up on the screen for you since okay, you didn't read the put, Mueller report. Put the Mueller so report up on the screen, please. That. Here we go. Um, that's not the Mueller here report, are the Allison. examples uh, Allison, when the president the asked Comey to let the Flynn investigation go, when he tried to stop Sessions' recusal. That's the one that you were involved in. You may want to read that part. When he fired Comey, when the president tried to remove Mueller, when the president tried to get Sessions to limit the probe. That's another one you were involved in. When he obscured the purpose of the Trump Tower meeting, when he asked Sessions to reverse his recusal, asking McGahn to deny attempts to remove Mueller, trying to influence cooperation of witnesses, including Flynn, Manafort, and Cohen. Those are just some of the examples that scores of legal experts say are obstruction of justice. How, how can legal experts make a determination when they're unfamiliar with all the facts of the case. That's a, that is so disingenuous to go and make a predetermination as a quote legal expert without having the opportunity to hear both sides of the case. How yeah. is that not a predetermination against this president? Because it's it lays very it out, Corey, it lays it out in the Mueller so, report, all so, of the examples that any regular citizen would have been charged and convicted of if they were not a sitting U.S. president. You know that part, right? I don't know that to be true. And this moron wants to run for the United States Senate seat in New Hampshire. Denied. They're just making... How could a legal expert make that determination? That's a predetermination. What? Based on 302 reports, interviews... Done countless interviews done by FBI agents of witnesses and then distilled down, boiled down and included in the Mueller report, who is a prosecutor. The Mueller report didn't say he was guilty. The Mueller report said there was enough evidence there. Well, in a roundabout way said that hadn't the president been the president, hadn't Donald Trump been a sitting president of the United States, had any other citizen done the things outlined in volume two of the Mueller report, they would be indicted and brought to trial for obstruction of justice.
That's what they said. So legal experts are well within their, their bounds and their expertise to say that. It is written in clear language. So a layman, a non-legal expert could read it and say, yeah, seems pretty cut and dry. At the very least, it deserves a trial. Donald Trump, at the very least, deserves a day in court to have it adjudicated. But Lewandowski didn't read the report. So what the fuck? Why would they have him on in the first place? It's it's getting pretty exhausting because CNN, right? You'll have certain personalities say they will be explicit, direct with their complaints about certain individuals in the Trump administration and their inability to tell the truth. But then they will continue to have those people on That's knowing right. that they have signed NDAs, knowing that they can't say anything that is factual if it's negative. That's my main issue with it is that the NDAs allowing those people on the air who are contractually and legally obligated to only say positive things. And listen, Corey Lewandowski is just a bad person. Yeah, yeah. He just is. We and, watched him on tape assault a female reporter. And it's a bummer that rather than using this time to, I don't know, educate voters on like how to register to or educate viewers on how to register to vote before the deadline, um, where to vote, yeah, you know, the importance of voting. Something I don't know. Valuable. Yeah, like something educational, yeah. something that's worthwhile. They they choose to talk to Corey Lewandowski. Um it's very frustrating. Just hours after he said what you're going to hear again. I have no obligation to be honest with the media just because there's just as dishonest as anybody else. And someone might be saying, well, why did you guys play it? Right. And the reason that we did that is because part of what we want to do here is take a skeptical view of what is on the media. Yeah. Right. What happens in the media. And CNN is one of the primary sources of news for a lot of people and too often it is more of an entertainment type thing yeah and that's what this was is just a little show to put on the other thing is listen let's not kid ourselves you may be out there saying well lying to the media that's not lying to the american people but it is because journalists report to inform the american people they don't report so fellow reporters will know the news, will know the facts of the day. They report to inform the American people. It's the only private profession protected by the U.S. Constitution. Think about that. It is important. Our founders found it so critically important that they added it to the First Amendment in the Bill of Rights. That's, that's a big fucking deal. We have an obligation not only to ourselves, we have an obligation to the press, to the media, to hold them accountable, to criticize them when they fail. And I believe that CNN failed miserably the other day. So we would love to know what you think. As always, 657-464-7609. Of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone, I doubt it, at dollamore.com. And you can also just email the regular emails there as well. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that I want to talk about, 
is Michael Atkinson, the IG for the ODNI. I'm going to let Chuck Todd kind of break this down. They've got three clips here, three, three, three or four clips here. One is a two-parter because I'm very much in disagreement with the guy that I usually agree with. Mm. Phil Mudd. He's a fucking got a terrible take on this. Well, that's always a good time. Yeah, it's a great time. So anyway, I want to let Chuck Todd kind of explain, because, you know, it's scripted and it's more than me just rambling on and on. You'll get a kind of a distilled view of it. I love that word today. Apparently, it's my fucking favorite word. Michael Atkinson, a career official appointed by President Trump as the Intelligence Community's Inspector General, has told Congress in so many words that the administration is not allowing him to do his job. In newly disclosed letters to Congress, Atkinson said he wants to tell them badly because the matter relates to, quote, one of the most significant and important of the DNI's responsibilities to the American people. But the president's acting spy chief, Joseph McGuire, and officials at Bill Barr's Justice Department basically overruled him. The IG told Congress he was not being allowed to even tell them, quote, the general subject matter of these allegations, which we now know is the president. A former U.S. intelligence official told NBC News that, quote, this urgent concern involves a phone conversation by President Trump. The Washington Post reports that it involves presidential communications with a foreign leader and some kind of a promise. The president, via Twitter, did not deny the reporting, saying, quote, anytime I speak on the phone to a foreign leader, I understand that there may be many people listening from various U.S. agencies, not to mention those from the other country itself, adding, Knowing all of this, is anybody dumb enough to believe that I would say something inappropriate? <laughs> Listen, Donald Trump, it's not that we're dumb enough to think you'd say something inappropriate. We're smart enough to know that you probably did. We're smart enough to know that you're dumb enough to say something inappropriate, not even knowing that it's inappropriate. Just, was it yesterday at the border? Oh, God. Yesterday, maybe the day before at the border. This really did not get enough attention. And the reason because is... Because all this shit's going on. Yeah, I mean, there's just too much to keep track of. So if unless you're on your phone constantly... Sorry, there's guys. Just, <laughs> there's just no way to really catch all of these viral moments. And so I did not see this everywhere. I don't know if everyone saw it. Donald Trump down at the border, talking to the media... And start spilling classified, sensitive information related to security and how we electronically secure our border. Listen to this very brief clip. Maximum that you could do. And one thing we haven't mentioned is technology. They're wired so that we will know if somebody's trying to break through. And you may want to discuss that a little bit, General. Sir, there could be some merit in not discussing that. Okay. <laughs> I like that. That was a great answer. That was a great answer. He starts to spill the beans, realizes he doesn't have the technical aptitude to explain it. He turns to the general, to his right, and says, General, maybe you could speak a little bit more on that. The general, if you didn't hear it, says, you know, there might be merit to not explaining the highly sensitive, likely proprietary, highly technologically advanced systems uh, that we use to curb border crossings. And Donald Trump just wants to tell the media. Yeah. So this is just a, a, a view in, you know, he did it again. We talked about just the other day, his conversations in the Oval Office with Lavrov and, and Sergei Kis Kislyak. Yeah, yeah. Spilling 
very highly sensitive intelligence given to us by Israel about ISIS in Syria to the Russians who are on the opposite side, who are supporting Assad. Can I ask you a question, though? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how happy do you think Donald Trump was <laughs> to get shut down like that? When that guy told him, uh, you know, I think it's better to not talk about that, actually, if we yeah. could. It's better to not share those I think details. He, he masked it pretty well. But I like that answer. You, I like you, you it. You know, in his head, he's like, you motherfucker, this is going to go viral. Are you telling me to shut the fuck up? Yeah. I mean, he. We, no, say it right. Donald yeah. Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump does not like being told what to do. Yeah. He or does. Corrected. He does not like being corrected. He does not like being questioned. And he certainly does not like those things happening in front of a camera. Yeah. Yeah. That is very detrimental to his ego. You know, as as evidence with Sharpie Gate and the goddamn even the weather. Yeah, he, even the weather. Yes. So I don't know what happened to this guy. I hope he's okay. <laughs> you know, we he's, should check on him. We yeah. should send someone to check on him because who knows where he is right now? <laughs> Honestly. So that was just an insight into this this entire whistleblower, whistleblower thing. That it's not ridiculous to assume that Donald Trump would step on his dick or or inadvertently or deliberately say something inappropriate, knowing that because he's the president, he can declassify anything just by talking about it. He's the only person within the government, within the structure of the United States government, who can uh, declassify things on a whim. Well, and. What makes this whistleblower thing particularly concerning is you think back to things like his meeting with Vladimir Putin. Yes. Which was off the record. Um, or when he was one-on-one -on -one with him and then confiscated the interpreter's notes afterward. Right. There was no record of it. Yeah. So what the hell was said? I mean, it's terrifying to imagine what the hell is going on. Especially related to this is a promise that was made. Right. Think of all the shit that we know about and how cringeworthy it is and how terrifying it is. And now, sorry to ruin your day, but then just imagine all the shit that we don't know. Yeah. And listen, this isn't just some, some hysterical non-professional who happened to hear something. This is a seasoned intelligence professional within the apparatus of the United States. They're alarmed enough to go and do go through proper channels. They're not running to the media. They're going to the IG to get whistleblower protection. They're doing this the right way. You know, when Edward Snowden did what he did, when Chelsea Manning did what she did, everybody was... Well, they needed to do it the right way. There's whistleblower protections. There's there's proper channels to go through. You don't just spill the secrets and go to the media. I, I think I agree with that. Just like I agree in this case, they're doing it the right way. And still, people are pushing back. And the IG, in turn, says this is an urgent matter. And now the White House... And the Department of Justice are making it so his hands are tied and he, he, is, he feels obligated to not do what he would normally do.
We begin with breaking developments involving that controversial whistleblower complaint. This is the one involving the president himself. CNN is now learning both the White House and the Department of Justice were actively involved in withholding that complaint from congressional intelligence committees. That's according to multiple sources. The director of national intelligence, you'll remember, hasn't shared that complaint with Congress as is required by federal law. The Washington Post reporting the whistleblower filing involves a, quote, promise from President Trump to a foreign leader. Keep in mind, this is a whistleblower complaint that was deemed credible and urgent by the Inspector General, Michael Atkinson. And he was in a closed-door meeting today with House Intel. In that meeting, though, we learned he refused to give details. And that has many people thinking, why not? Well, he said it's because he's not authorized to do so. Just moments ago, the chair of the Intel Committee in the House, Adam Schiff, talking about how the Justice Department was involved in keeping this whistleblower complaint from lawmakers. We do know that the Department of Justice has been involved in the decision to withhold that information from Congress. We do not know because we cannot get an answer to the question about whether the White House is also involved in preventing this information from coming to Congress. We do not have the complaint. We do not know whether the press reports are accurate or inaccurate about the contents of that complaint. CNN Sarah Westwood is at the White House now. So, Sarah, what more do we know about the involvement of the White House and the Justice Department here? Well, Erica, CNN is learning that the White House did intervene in the handling of this complaint. The White House and the Justice Department, according to sources who spoke with our colleagues Pam Brown and Evan Perez, told ODNI that they believe that this complaint falls outside of the kind of intel activities that are protected by whistleblower laws for the intelligence community. Now, the White House Counsel's Office, the DOJ's Office of Legal Counsel, have been discussing this with ODNI, and the top intel agency has said that there could be an issue of privilege involved here. The intelligence community inspector general told lawmakers behind closed doors earlier today that he was not authorized to discuss any details about the complaint, not the nature of what President Trump may or may not have said, not even whether President Trump himself is involved, as has been reported. And as we just heard, uh, House Intel Chairman Adam Schiff did not know whether the White House is involved or what kind of pressure was being put on acting intelligence director uh, Joseph McGuire. But we are hearing of contradictions here between the two Trump appointees. On the one hand, you have the intelligence community inspector general, who is a Trump appointee, saying that this was a credible and urgent complaint from a whistleblower. Then you have the acting intelligence director, Joseph McGuire, saying that in his eyes, this does not meet the definition of an urgent concern. Now, President Trump earlier today denied that he said anything inappropriate on any calls with foreign leaders. But of course, this episode, Erica, could simply deepen the president's skepticism of the intelligence community. He has had a strange relationship with intel agencies since the start of his presidency. That is putting it mildly. So as of just a few hours ago, the Washington Post released more information that they have found out um, about the whistleblower complaint against Donald Trump. And which country it, it could be. Yes. Um, so according to the Washington Post, quote, the complaint involved communications with a foreign leader and a promise that Trump made, which was so alarming that a U.S. intelligence official who had worked at the White House went to the inspector general of the intelligence community. Two former U.S. officials said, quote, Two and a half weeks before the complaint was filed, Trump spoke with Ukrainian President Zelensky. 
a comedian and political newcomer who was elected in a landslide in May. So it's looking like it is possible that this is related to communication between Donald Trump and the president of Ukraine and a possible promise that was made there. Here's what's been happening on the world stage related to the Trump circle and Ukraine. Rudy Giuliani, if you'll remember a few months ago, mm-hmm. was trying to get the Ukrainians to open up an investigation into Joe Biden's son. So what we could be looking at here, if I'm betting, it would be something related to that. That Donald Trump said something like, hey, if you," because the administration has been trying to pressure the Ukrainian government to... to to reopen this investigation, to push harder on this investigation, which is going to put Joe Biden, a political opponent, into a bad spot. This is election meddling, if this is what it is. Well, and to give that information about Joe Biden and Joe Biden's son, Hunter, a little bit more context, um, Hunter Biden sits on the board of a Ukrainian natural gas company. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is from CNN, quote, Rudy Giuliani, who serves as Trump's personal attorney, has long lobbied Ukraine to investigate the former vice president's call in 2016 to remove the country's top prosecutor, who at one point had been investigating a Ukrainian natural gas company Connected to Biden's son, Hunter. Other Western governments also called for that prosecutor's dismissal, and no evidence has indicated Biden's move was inappropriate. This, well, this is another reason why Joe Biden needs to get the fuck out of the race. He's going to become a distraction if he's the nominee. He's going to be making a situation where, well, they're both corrupt. You just got to pick which one you think is going to be better. We don't want that. Yeah, and by the way, uh, Joe Biden's son is no peach. Yeah. He's had all kinds of of legal problems in his past. And he's 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 a liability. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm hesitant. I don't I don't know that that's a great argument, um, because I think that they can make that make that happen for anybody. I think they can create this illusion of corruption with any candidate. Yes, there are some candidates that will make it easier with things in their past. Yeah. But I, I'm just hesitant to say that that is why, you know, um, there are many reasons why Joe Biden is not the strongest candidate. Certainly controversial things from his past are one of them. Um, yeah. Is one of them. But. I think that that argument can be made for any candidate. And I think that that will be their approach. Donald Trump's campaign will try to take out whoever the top candidate is by acting like they're corrupt, by acting like you can't trust them, by acting like they're going to do things that are terrible to people. Continuing to project like they do on a daily basis. Absolutely. Yeah. So now we get to Chris Cuomo talking to Phil Mudd. The first part of this clip is... is um, Chris Cuomo kind of going into detail uh, of exactly what the process is related to the IG and then uh, moving on with talking to Phil Mudd, who is a former CIA and FBI employee. Oh, we got breaking news. Let's go through it together. It's coming from The Washington Post. The headline is that this whistleblower showdown between the president's acting intel chief and Congress now has a new twist. A reminder, uh, the acting director of national intelligence, uh, uh, Joseph McGuire, has refused to hand over the complaint after a subpoena from the House Intel Committee chair, Adam Schiff. 
Now we're learning what that complaint may be about. Again, this comes from the Washington Post. It includes communication between uh, the president and a foreign leader. Their sourcing is two former U.S. officials familiar with the matter, that this was about a phone call that the president had with a foreign leader. I'm going through it uh, as uh, I tell you about it, just to be careful about it. And the process is as we understood it. Somebody who knew about this phone call was concerned enough about the president making what they term a promise that was regarded as so troubling that it prompted an official in the U.S. intelligence community to file a former whistleblower complaint with the, uh, a formal whistleblower complaint with the inspector general for the inter- intelligence community. So now here's where it's, it gets sticky. If the IG, all right, here's the law since Watergate. If the inspector general finds something to reach a certain level of what they call urgent concern, they are supposed to turn it over to congressional oversight committees. House Intel would be the logical place for something that is intelligence-related to go, especially in light of this tacit agreement after Watergate, whereby Congress agreed with the intelligence community to handle confidential national security information a certain way, hence what you got with the Gang of Eight, that only certain congressional leaders will get certain sensitivities. So the question is, let's assume it's true. With who? That's not in here. Let's bring in Phil Mudd. Now, in this, they try to track whom he had spoken with. Uh, this complaint was filed with Atkinson's office, that's the inspector general, August 12th. In the preceding weeks, they have him talking, uh, or they have him uh, on a call with Vladimir Putin on July 31st. They have him talking about uh, at least two letters from Kim Jong-un. They have him maybe meeting with the Prime Minister of Pakistan, Netherlands, and the Emir of Qatar. So let's just deal with the general notion here. Somebody says they heard something as an intel official that troubled them enough to lodge a formal complaint to the IG. How unusual. So this is what I'm going to do. We're going to play Phil Mudd's clip, and I'm going to start and stop as we go. Uh Uh-oh. As as is needed because <laughs> as is needed. Well, listen, he's he's typically a guy that I that I that I respect that I I have fondness for. Uh, I respect his experience and I usually respect his take on things. But he is just fucking out of this world wrong about this, and he's a little too close to the issue because he worked for so long so deeply within the intelligence community. Somebody says they heard something as an intel official that troubled them enough to lodge a formal complaint to the IG. How unusual. Boy, I'm about ready to blow a gasket. Can you explain? That is extremely unusual. And I listened to presidential phone calls when I was an official at the White House under George W. Bush in in 2001. Can you explain to me, A... Why it's the U.S. intelligence community's responsibility to listen to the president of the United States speaking to a foreign leader? And B, why the U.S. intelligence community, under the rules provided by the Democrats in Congress, are responsible to report to the Congress what the president of the United States says? Last I checked, Chris, when I served, 
We're responsible for chasing the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, and terrorists. We're not responsible for reporting to the Congress what the president says. He can say what he wants, Chris. So you. So that's just a bonkers answer. One, he says, I've listened as an intelligence person to presidential phone calls under George W. Bush. And the next, like, why? Why should this person have been listening to the calls? Well, apparently there is a need for it. If you if going back to George W. Bush, they're having intelligence. And first of all, I can list many reasons why it would be uh, beneficial to have intelligence experts listen in on presidential phone calls, maybe to pick up on things that are that are uh, subtle giveaways about intelligence information. Especially since the president is, I mean, not an expert in these things right. i mean when has a when have we had a president who was george hw bush so there you go yeah. i mean not since 1991 yeah 1992 would have been the last time we had a an intelligence expert in the white house but mm-hmm. a former cia director mm-hmm. so <laughs> it just come the fuck on and it's also not running reporting to congress tattling to Congress. There is a system in place across the spectrum of the federal government of protecting whistleblowers who find things out that are either financial impropriety, structural impropriety, processes that are problematic. And this would be one. Obviously, it's unprecedented that the president of the United States is doing something untoward. This system wasn't set up for the eventuality that we would have a fucking insane, terrible person as president of the United States. It wasn't set up for the the possibility that someone wouldn't be acting in the best interest of the country and would be acting for in their best interest solely. Don't like that somebody snitched on the president. Correct. The question, if you have a, a whistleblower issue in the intelligence community, might be, is somebody misusing funds? For example, is somebody seeing something about covert action overseas, that is CIA operations overseas, that's inappropriate? For example, when I was in the business, we ran black sites, secret facilities. Mm-hmm. Did somebody see something that was not only unethical and immoral, but in-house illegal. policing. Correct. All right. So not what does the president say? All right. But now hold on a second. Well, what if he did say something to a foreign leader that sounded like a promise that went over the line enough that somebody of good conscience said he's not supposed to say things well, like this? Well, pardon me. What the heck is over the line? The president can say what he wants to Putin. He can say what he wants to Kim Jong-un. He can say to Kim Jong-un, which I... Okay, what is happening to Phil Mudd? It's ridiculous, is it not? What is happening It's like a fucking a speaking seizure right now. The president could say what he wants. What if he is endangering the lives of our intelligence oper- operators overseas? What if he's doing that? He goes, well, what's over the line? We don't know. We don't know what's over the line right now because this person isn't being allowed to not tell the public. We're not going to put this person in front of a podium. They're going to go before the intelligence committee and hopefully the Democrats do the right thing and keep the information to themselves. 
We don't have to know, as I would love to know. I'm not entitled to that information. But to act like there is no line or we don't know what the line was. Obviously, the inspector general of the office of the uh, uh, of, of national intelligence, the office of the director of national intelligence said this was an urgent enough matter to be talked about. So it's not just this individual intelligence community member mm-hmm. who went to get whistleblower protection. It's also the Trump appointed inspector general. Yeah. Phil Mudd continues. I think is completely over the top. I'm going to go meet you in the DMZ, the demilitarized zone, despite the fact that we don't have any real agreements, as far as I can tell, on nukes and missiles. The president can say what he wants. It's not the responsibility of the intel guys to go police the president and go snitch on him to the Congress. Ridiculous. And now I understand. I didn't two hours ago. Now I understand why why uh, a former decorated SEAL, McGuire, the head of the intel community, was reluctant. Why does he have to go report on what the president says? Well, if they have an agreement, a rule structure in place that if a complaint reaches an urgent concern level to the inspector general, that Congress gets to see it, the obvious mechanism here is checks and balances. No, I don't, I don't agree with that. If it's that big of a concern that somebody's got to check power, right? I don't agree with that. I think inspectors general, including those I saw at both the CIA and the FBI, are excellent. We despise them because they're so tough. Sure. But I want to ask the inspector general why it is, again, the responsibility of the intelligence community guys to say, we got to complain about what the president says, and we, the intel guys, have to go report to Congress about what's going on in the White House. The intel guys, last I checked, reported on North Korea and Iran not on whether the president wants to make a promise to a foreign leader. I am ticked off. This is completely inappropriate, and the Congress should not be asking the intel guys to go snitch on the president. No. So what is the mechanism? No one is asking them to do that. This person of their own volition volunteered it to the IG. They didn't go to the press. They went to the IG through the proper channels. They didn't go to the committee. They didn't go to Adam Schiff first. They went to the person to whom they were supposed to go. Because of their genuine concern. And it seems odd that Phil Mudd is both trying to protect them and say they shouldn't be forced into doing this using all this weird language that doesn't apply. But then also not giving them credit for their genuine reaction when they see or hear something problematic. Well, we'll let this this final 30 seconds really blow your mind because here's what he says they should do. ...for policing what is done in the White House. Quit. Quit and you can talk to the media if you want. You can write a book if you want. If you don't like what the president does, whether you're the Secretary of Defense whether you're a national security advisor, whether you're Rex Tillerson, you go quit. You don't go say, well, I have a secret avenue to the Congress that, in my view, is inappropriate to go explain why the intel guys have to collect intelligence on the president. So this legal avenue, this legally structured avenue that's there for this very reason is inappropriate in the mind of Phil Mudd, who apparently has lost his motherfucking mind because this is not the Phil Mudd I know. Well, what's the point of having the legal avenue then? That is the question. What's the point of it? They should just get rid of it, right, Phil Mudd? It's fucking bananas what he's doing right now. And they should quit their job. Okay, so... 
You, if you don't like what, what 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 you heard, if you heard something that that r- r- rose to the level of an urgent nature, mm-hmm. according to the inspector general, you just quit your job. Yeah, it's so strange. I mean, it, not giving credit to someone who hears something that is a problem and then takes the appropriate action on it to try to resolve that problem. This um, is Phil Mudd not knowing at all what it is either. Making value right, judgments right, right, right. about it without it fucking having the facts. Without knowing what is behind the complaint. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It just it blows my mind. Anyway, we're going to end it there. I'd love to hear what you have to say about this, about the Lewandowski stuff. It is our ongoing mission, our goal, to move the conversation forward using you to use our platform. To amplify your voice and your dissent. We'd love to know if you disagree. All that's a good time. Go rate and review us on iTunes. If you have an iTunes account. Your kid has an iTunes account. Grab their phone. As many (laughs) iTunes accounts as you have access to, feel free to give us reviews. Yes. You're at a party. You're sitting around the bar. Just pick up everybody's phone. Start giving those ratings and reviews. That's right. On mass. Like like one time we were at a party for a podcast launch and the host got up and had everybody break out their iPhone. Remember that? Yes. That was a good time. Yep. So anyway, we would love your support. If you were in a financial position to help the show... Two, three, four, five bucks a month, whatever you can afford. That would be awesome. If you're not, the show is free. It'll always be free. But we would love to have you in the Patreon family. Go to teamdollamore.com or dollamore.com slash Patreon. Check out the rewards. We love you guys. We'll see you next time for Brittany Page. I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. You're always better than this. <laughs> Why are you doing that? (laughs) 